It doesn't seem like um, uh, there's anyone right now in the UK that's not having fun at the expense of Liz Truss. There's a YouGov poll that's come out overnight that's actually polling Conservative Party members uh, that says the the majority of the 530 members surveyed believe that she should resign, some 55%, uh, approximately 38%, so they wanted to stay in the post, so fewer than two in five. Uh, Those that want her replaced responded this way in terms of who should fill the top job. 23% 23% uh, said her leadership uh, uh, adversary, Rishi Sunak. 23% for Rishi Sunak. 32% for Boris Johnson. <laughs> Let's party. I can't wait to hear what Vincent Magavini makes of all this, our wonderful UK correspondent. Vincent, good morning to you. Good morning. Vincent, it does seem to be a fairly acute and spectacular case of buyer's remorse. All these party members who voted are in and now going, what were we thinking? Yeah, quite something. I mean, I've you know talked to you guys for I think six years or so now, and and every week sort of come on and, and talk about the uh, slow and painful decline of the UK's stature around the world. Uh, it is six weeks since Tr- uh, Liz Truss got into office, and it doesn't feel like she's got another six weeks in her. To be honest, I think she'll be gone by the first uh, window that we open of the advent calendar, uh, because she effectively ran on a policy. Uh, which she was told by Rishi Sunak and leading economists and leading financial institutions was simply economically a fairy tale. Uh, but it was this very much puritanical belief that she had that was molded from the kind of extreme right wing of her party of basically trying to turn the UK into an amalgamation of the kind of US and Singapore of low taxes, no regulation, free market rampage. Um, and she basically ran on that platform, implemented it, hand, you know, hand in glove with her chancellor, uh, and then stepped back and watched it absolutely pummel the pound, almost take down our pension industry, cause severe damage to the UK's reputation because there were just billions of pounds of uncosted uh, tax cuts with spending. Uh, and it has led to real pain for people here. It was already going to be a difficult enough winter with the energy crisis, with the cost of living crisis, but everyone's mortgages now are skyrocketing. It's also affecting those in the rental sector as well. So Liz Truss has done everything possible, really, to make things more difficult. And yes, on Friday, she junked her chancellor, even though he implemented fully the plan that she wanted. Uh, She now has replaced him with uh, Jeremy Hunt, who's someone who twice ran to be the leader of the Conservative Party. He ran uh, against uh, Boris Johnson back in 2019, he ran uh, this time round, didn't win either time, and now he's ended up as her chancellor, which is the number two position in our government. Uh, but effectively, he's, you know, in Germany, the chancellor is the leader, uh, and that's the joke here today, that effectively the chancellor position is now Germanic here because he's <laughs> running the show. He has ditched her entire plan. Yesterday we had this obscene situation where he gave an emergency statement earlier in the day. He went to the Commons to talk about it, but Labour pulled an urgent question, which means you can force a minister, including the prime minister, to come uh, and answer. And they put an urgent question to the prime minister, uh, and yet she, she just hid. She sent uh, another member of the cabinet instead to, uh, to go and defend her. And that cabinet member was asked, you know, where is the trust? Is she hiding under a desk? <laughs> and then as soon as that was done... Jeremy Hunt stands up to give his statement, and Liz Truss just walks in, pretending that nothing has happened, sits there in silence, just looking completely far off. Uh, and then later that night, she gave a television interview where she just apologised, asked if she thought she could win the next election, if she'd still be leading the party. 
she just sort of said yes and laughed. I mean, it is a really strange situation here in the UK because, you know, this is the leader of the country, a G7 country who has, you know, a nuclear fleet at her disposal. Uh, and she just does not seem uh, to really grasp how serious a, a situation she is in. Here in Australia, we're facing the prospect of our power bills going up by 35% next year. But in Britain, I see that they're already talking about people who are currently paying subsidised bills who are looking at the prospect of paying $10,000 a year for their power. So having a, a Prime Minister who seems so utterly disconnected from reality at a time when the cost of living crisis in the UK is anything far beyond anything we're seeing here in Australia, it must just be feeding into such public antipathy towards the government. Completely. And, you know, you hear Conservative Party members talking about this potentially being an extinction-level event for their party, that they could fall from having a majority uh, of 80, they've got, uh, you know, hundreds of seats, to going down to just having maybe 80 or 90. If an election was held tomorrow, they would be absolutely pummeled. The Labour Party would have a massive majority. Uh, they've got the biggest polling numbers that they've had since just before Tony Blair went into office. Um, you know, Liz Truss seems to be doing everything possible today. She's, you know, the one group of voters that you know in politics anywhere in the world that you don't piss off is the elderly uh, because they turn up to vote no matter what. Today, she's talked about undoing something that's been in British politics now for over a decade, which is called the pensions triple lock, which means that pensions rise basically in line with inflation. Um, and she's now talking about scrapping that as well to save money. And that is really one way. Uh, to make sure that her party are fast-tracked out of office. Uh, and she just sort of, it's just very weird as a political journalist to cover her because even in her sort of apology interview last night, once she got the apology out of the way, she just went back to her fully scripted lines, ignoring the questions, just repeating these mantras. And she gets sort of this glazed look, a bit like when <laughs> Tom Cruise talks about Scientology. Uh, <laughs> She's going to start dancing on sofas soon. <laughs> Hey, Vincent, before we let you go, I don't know if you've heard the rumour, but we're very excited here in Australia. There's a hot tip that King, our new King, King Charles, and the Queen Consort might be coming out next year. Two things. Firstly, use whatever power you've got to make sure that he comes to Adelaide as mm. part of his tour. But secondly, you need to cover the tour so, yes. so that we can meet face-to-face, because -face, we've never actually met. We'd like to take you out for... I know. Well, I just wanted you know. to get an interview to uh, invite to this golf day, apparently. Yeah. Oh, that would have been fun. Are you, free, but, uh... are you free next week, Vincent? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sadly not. Monday week. Um, but, yeah, I think, I, I, think, I, mean, I, mean, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think that there will absolutely be a big program of, of tours for Charles and Camilla. There's obviously a lot of focus at the moment. But, I mean, he, he really is. Uh, and, and quite a few members of the royal family. It, there's definitely a step up for Edward and Sophie. Uh, Princess Anne, of course, always the hardest working royal. But William and Kate, I mean, there is a bit of a step up in profile at the moment in the events that they're doing. Uh, and the focus is obviously, of course, on the coronation, which we now know is May the 6th. But I think we will see uh, Charles and Camilla, you know, they are in their sort of 70s, um, normally the age that most people are winding down. But I think they've probably got, you know, about 15, 20 years or so uh, when they can go on those long-haul flights, when they can go around. Uh, and I think we are going to see a bit of a burst of that over the next few years. The Queen sort of gave up uh, her long-distance flights. I think when she, I think her last big long-distance trip was to you guys, actually, in her sort of late 80s. Mm. Um, so you probably think Charles and Camilla have got, you know, a kind of decade or so, decade and a half maybe, to, to make sure they get those trips under their belt. 
Uh, so I think we'll definitely see them kind of going pretty much all over the Commonwealth in the next 18 months, two years or so. Sensational. Good stuff, Vincent, as always. We'll chat again soon. Thanks, mate. Vincent McAvinney, our UK correspondent. 2011, last the time the, the Queen was here. Well, wow. Lucy reliably informs me. I really, I, I'm sure we will meet Vincent one day. I'd love to sit Definitely. down and have a yarn with Vincent. Definitely. What's the news story that gets us going to London? What's the South Australian news story that we'd have to go to the UK to cover? There's a, there's a thought starter for you. It's easy to imagine why Vincent comes here. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Mally could go over there and do something newsworthy. Sam just suggested Peter Manaskis gets knighted. Would we go over for doing OB? I'm not sure we would. <laughs> Only to, t- only to take them, Michael. Is he going to get knighted? <laughs> could we, could we, could we sell broadcasting for three hours a day just to take the absolute, yeah. you know what, out of him? I think that'd be terrific. Yeah, maybe we could. That's a good suggestion. Maybe other people have got uh, some ideas. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, six to nine, five double A breakfast.